I have this this date tattooed on my wrist because I remember thinking it was the worst day of my life. It's, it turned out to be the best day. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I am so excited. I got the stud here, Mike Stud, <laughs> the rapper. I told him when he came in here, I go, man, you have my dream job. I wanted to be right. the first great white rapper. I and <laughs> I did, man. I studied everybody. I Sugar Hill Gang on vinyl. I still have it. First yeah. album I ever, I still know almost every word. Love it. Kids make me rap all the time. Go ahead. One thing about rapping is like <laughs> comedians to me is that literally you have to be hyper intelligent. Yeah. You know, Eminem, one of my sure. favorite rappers. Uh, and I love his lyrics, but there is like the intonation, the timing, and then the content itself. Right. You played baseball in college at Duke. Yes, sir. Obviously, you were probably a fairly good student, if not a good student. I was. <laughs> I was. I would. I would say I was. I was definitely. I would. I like to. I, I kind of. It translates. I competed. I felt like it was part of the competition. I knew I needed it. I knew it was part of my path, and I knew it was an avenue to get to where I wanted to get. I mean, they don't necessarily coincide being a, a base, like being a great baseball player and being an athlete. An, an, but I, I saw it as a student athlete. I was kind of raised on that, but I realized that it enabled, I knew I wanted to be, like, I didn't, I don't share that same dream. I, I was pretty tunnel vision yeah. um, towards a uh, being a baseball player, being a pitcher, but student, the student side of it was kind of, it went hand in hand with for me personally. So for you, did it go hand in hand because you wanted it, or like for me, it went hand in hand because my mom guilted me into it, right? I was a student athlete because number one, she didn't believe I was an athlete, and two, <laughs> the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school, right? And anything but Ivy Leagues counted yeah. as colleges, right? Like literally, I went to Occidental College because they gave me a scholarship, and I got to play football and baseball there because right. it's Division Three. Oh, there you go. Not many schools wanted me to play football for some odd reason, right? But like literally, she considered it a junior college. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, you know, President Obama went there. Jim She's Moore went there. Cookie. Jack Kemp. sounds like a tough cookie. Well, everyone else went to Harvard, Penn, Columbia, and we're summa cum laude. So I am literally the low end Sheesh. of the academic gene pool. Well, look how it panned out. Like exactly. Did all right. I almost as well as if I would have been a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not how we. No, but I may, if I get good enough at this, I may come up with my first rap song and have you produce it for I'm me. I'm the guy for it. And I could be the first, like, middle-aged, maybe I'll name myself the middle-aged mutant Let's turtle or something like that. And, and I'll <laughs> come up with a really good rap. Let's invent it. Exactly. Well, I did with the with Gary, man. He, I'm like, dude, you think you're old? Wait till I get out there. You Help and, me out, man. You and Gary could be I'm the oldest duo. man on Instagram. Like, it actually has a following, I think. No, no, <laughs> no way. There's way worse. Yeah, <laughs> way worse. <laughs> that's it. I love him. That's why they call him Mike Stud. Way worse. All right. So, but you have no like music interest when you're growing. Rhode Island, first of all, so yeah. it's like a small. It isn't necessarily the the mecca of hip hop or <laughs> no. base or baseball or for baseball, that right? Um, yeah, you know, it, it honestly. See, I can't. I can't say that it was. A, it was anything um, pushed on me by my parents. I've kind of looked back in hindsight and realized that um, I was. I was kind of good at, at understanding flow, even though I didn't understand the concept yet. You know, uh, consciously. But I kind of let let feelings and intuition flow to me, and I would. Always, I was always following it, and I didn't really realize that until I looked back in hindsight. And and baseball, you know, it's one of those things. I, I was. I was naturally gifted. Um, I was one of those like bigger kids. I didn't even play. I skipped literally. Like when wow. I was ten, I moved to the big field. 
You know really? what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't know because I was so, so small. So eight they to- kept me on the little field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like a bigger kid. I threw hard and, and, and it's Rhode Island. So, you, you know. You threw really hard for Rhode Island. Yeah. And so I, I skipped ahead. and How and fast I, did you throw? I mean, back then, it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, we're pitching on a 45 uh, foot mound yeah. versus 60, but. I was I was throwing hard. I was I was I don't even know at that. What about was, the sixty? How hard were you throwing in college? Uh, I mean, I was a low to mid nineties, but yeah. I had a I had a my standout thing was I had a great slider, like a like a pro ready slider. Yeah. Um. And one of, one of my favorite clients, Gene Tennis, and friend and family friend, mm-hmm. he named his he's the MVP of the World Series for the A's in seventy two. Mm, Played with Reggie Jackson, all those guys. Wow. Anyway, he. Uh, he named his dog. He was a catcher. He named his dog Slider. Slider. There you go. Because he said, "I'll never hit a slider." <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tough pitch to hit. It's a, I can't touch it. Yeah, and, I, and for whatever reason, I just I had a good one always. So yeah. it was. To be clear, though, I wasn't. I wasn't this like as much as that. That was the case in Rhode Island. I wasn't this highly touted uh, national treasure. By the time high school and then came to college, yeah, uh, it wasn't like, "Hey, man, this kid, Mike, Mike CN, that's my actual." Yeah, this isn't, it was one of those things where I was looking at Harvard. Uh, you know, I wanted to go to Harvard, uh, Ivy League level. In the Ivy League, I probably could have played baseball and, and basketball. So I like oh, that's cool. went to Princeton, and I would take like a th- instead of just going for one night and visiting the baseball team, I'd baseball and then ba- and then basketball the next night. And I was kind of interested in that. I, I always, for whatever reason, I didn't have a passion for. But no athletic scholarships at Princeton. Yeah, no, no. They wanted me to play 155-pound football. Do you know what that is? No. Yeah, they have an actual league in the Ivy Leagues for 155-pound and under. Are you kidding? They wanted me to play fullback. (laughs) I weighed 147. You would have been good. Yeah. And in baseball, by the way, there. But literally no money where Occidental had a full leadership academic scholarship Mm. for Mm. me. Yeah, and and basically like right, right towards the end of the process, I started throwing harder. Yeah. So then the bigger schools started coming like – uh, Duke was probably in the middle of that pack, but there was like the UNCs and what about draft? SEC Were you schools. interested at all? Uh, I had, I mean, I knew I would have been if I had, like, I probably would have went in the mid 20, 30 yeah. round, but we were just, I was ready to go to school. And I knew I just had friends that were already doing it. And I knew, I know, like, there's kind of the public mirage of getting drafted in baseball. That's, that's, that's when the work starts. Yeah, you know, of there, course. It really is. A huge, you know more than anyone. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a journey, and I I wouldn't turn. I was down not Duke. ready. Then. I wouldn't. I don't know how good I was. I wouldn't turn. Down yeah, Duke. I knew I was. I had so much development ahead of me. Yeah, I was. I was like, I was a late developer. As much, even though as you're I, big. Yeah, like I was a big body, but I was like kind of had a baby face, kind of like this. Yeah, I probably yeah. weigh the same now, but I had like a different. It, you Built, know, there was a lot yeah. of development. Both, you're baby Huey when you were young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both mentally and physically, though, like I. It wasn't really even a thought like that I was ready to go do that. And, you know, as much as we go play college sports, no matter what level it is, everyone has in the back of their mind a continuation dream. Mm -hmm. And once you reach college, I always say everybody has two desks and the desk get worth the longer you play. So, you know, my business partner, Warren Moon, quit Mm -hmm. playing at 44. And Mm -hmm. I said, people don't realize the death that he's had to suffer. Oh, yeah. Playing that long. Mm -hmm. You know, you played a long time just in college. But... You know, when you injured yourself, had Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. you know, a certain part of you died. Totally. And totally. How, how, how did that feel? I have this this date tattooed on my wrist because I remember thinking it was the worst day of my life. And it's, it turned out to be the best day. There really. you go. You know, and that, that's shaped my whole perspective. Just the idea that, like, you, you, can't, you can make plans and you can have goals, but it's, it's kind of silly if you really think about it. You can really wrap your head around the concept of, 
just how uncertain everything is. So let's get to that for a second, because that's really cool. Because I tell people all the time, if you want to make God laugh, come up with a well-developed plan. Exactly. But then people are like, Dave, you got to have goals. You got to. Yeah. So how do you uh, uh, reconcile, you know, having a vision or a goal, but allowing yourself to to move from that goal or, you know, to maneuver, I say like not limit your point of entry, but like Perfect. I have very long-term goals, mm -hmm. but I'm not tied to them, yeah. but I'm pursuing them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you, how do you reconcile that? Uh, Cause it sounds like you have the same philosophy. Yeah, it's the law of detachment. I, I, yeah. I've become a huge fan of this book, The Seven Laws of Spiritual Success. Bo yeah, yeah, it Deepak Chopra. Like life's changing for me. So it's like, I read all these other books, but I always go back to it. And just understanding that you don't, you can't you can't be attached to the results. The only thing I'm attached to is trying to be better every day. So I, I've really slowed my goals down. I used to, you know, I still write down my future goals and things I want, um, but I I really slowed it down to a daily to a daily thing. If I could wake up and do things, I, and, and and there's a balance because you know, come from the athlete background, you're like compete, go do the things you need to do. The check. law of Goya, right, right. right. Get but off there's your also ass. like the balance of of living a balanced life. And the do law, you meditate? The law yeah, yeah, yeah. The law of least effort, which is like allowing things to flow to you. So I I, I toe that line, you know. Um, but I, I definitely have tried to slow it down and just say, what are the things I want to do today? What's my overall goal? My intentions are to wake up and create and make, you know, make the best content I can. And that ranges across, you know, many categories. It's not just music for me. Right. Um, but to world. answer your question, it's really um when I go to bed at night, I if if I took steps forward, and and that and it comes in many different forms. It could be I built relationships today. I I built I built on my mental stability today. You know I, I've looked I've grown to open my scope at what pro productivity is. But I know if I'm taking steps in the, in the you know taking steps forward that I'm making myself proud. Of, I, it's easy for me to fall asleep at night, and it's easy for me to get up in the morning and try to do it again. You know? So you've been super successful throughout the entire process, whether it was academic, sports, music, podcasting, right. all the things, mm -hmm. content-wise that you're doing. What inhi inhibits or interferes with or creates a corrosion between the connection that inspires you, right? I believe, in, I th believe we both do, right? That we're, we're in the flow, right? right? Which is this giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. It's the law yes, of sir. Goya, the law of attraction, and the yes, law sir. of surrender or allowance. Well, you know, I'm always, you're a lot younger than I am. We were joking that when I went to college, <laughs> you weren't born. But I have a hard time helping people understand, like, what is it for me? Because everybody idolizes what you do. They they romanticize it. Right. But what is it that causes the interference in your life now where you sit there at the end of the day and like, man, I wish I, you know, I didn't make the progress or the productivity or accessibility that I wanted from the day. Yeah. What are some of the things, or at least one, that causes the most interference or resistance in your life? Um, I, I would, I would say, uh, I've, I've become very clear that like having any form of an ego is is extremely negative. Well, you're gonna have egos when you're right. in it, right? Ego-based consciousness. Right. And and I'm about and I'm I'm coming from a very ego maniacal space, being a rapper. Yeah, yeah. you know, like. Um, even just being an artist, you know, like things revolving around you, people waiting on you to, you know what I mean? Like people getting so excited when they see you. It's very, that's probably my biggest challenge. I don't consider it interference though. And I, and I would say- Well, I mean a frequency wise. So when I say interference, I'm talking it interferes with my true frequency, my potential, exactly. my highest so, frequency. So I'm answering it correctly then. So I, yeah, you I, got it. And I'll have moments still when I, I just feel myself or I think in hindsight in a conversation I had that I was, signaling something or 
I was I was kind of saying more than that needed to be said to build, you know, to over present myself or to, not even necessarily over present, but just things that don't need to be said. I catch myself in hindsight, like, you know, that's coming from mm, a place of ego. Right. Like, over some back at so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't even care to even have them know that. Let them discover that on their own time or whatever, you know. So yeah. that's probably my biggest thing. And, and I I really am enjoying trying to uh, trying to hack down my ego, you know, not that I Me was too. over ego, egocentric, but just o overall, I'm talking even internally and how, ego I'm consciousness. how I'm digesting things that are happening. It's not, you know, it's a lot bigger than me and how my scope. And, and I've learned that more recently, honestly, uh, that's been my biggest thing. Yeah, I believe the ego-based consciousness creates that interference, corrosion, or, totally. or the interesting thing. I just went through this in New York. You know, we landed this great office space. You know, things are really growing and doing well, and I end up going out with my partners. And I have a saying, right? One martini is not enough, and two is too many. <laughs> so three or four was a lot for me. Yeah. But I used to party all the time. We were talking about right. me and Jordan Belfort, and right. you know, I want you to be on his podcast in the I'm West End. We, we got here. I want he, to talk about. This. Yeah, he's cool. So I. I'm 51 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm blessed. I mean, you see my family, right? Mm -hmm. Beyond my business and everything, that's super important. And I'm right. really healthy now at 51. Right. But I used to party a lot right. when I was young. Mm -hmm. And so here, I had a few too many drinks mm -hmm. and I load up my days. I, I would say I'm truly, I still do at least eight days of productivity in a day. I work, I don't work. I'm, I have activity, I get paid for activity. I don't, I learn to love everything I do. That's right. my philosophy. Right. So I can get 56 days of productivity in a week. So I'm doing two months, three months of work compared to the average person. Mm -hmm. And because I'm not more That's intelligent, great, I, out, right, I, I outwork them long, hard and smart. Right. But it was interesting because I loaded up the second day. In fact, I had, was on Gary's show, you know, mm -hmm. my boy right there. And I was so disappointed in myself because it, it wasn't that I did it, right? It was that I was so less productive and connected. After, right? after being hungover. That, yeah, that, I was hungover that next day. And mm -hmm. not that many guys knew until I told them mm -hmm. because I'm still productive, right? Mm -hmm. A functioning, damaged person I am. But <laughs> like... I've been so connected without parting for so long right. that what made me most sad was there probably was a decade of my life that I thought, oh yeah, I'm handling all this stuff. I'm mm -hmm. you know, successful mm -hmm. and I'm doing stuff that's completely diminishing oh, totally. my energy and capacity. And it was a huge lesson for me mm -hmm. that I'm like, I was disappointed. Not that I did it the one day, it was like, I did it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I could have done some serious stuff Preaching with my life. And I'm going to still, just so you know, mm -hmm. I'm still going to party every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay diminishing my capacity for one day. I'll do better planning the next day because this one was impromptu. Right. But I'm I'm okay not for 10 years every day, right. but you know, once or twice a year for right. me to have a really good time and feel what it's like to be 30 again. That's once a week for me. <laughs> yeah, that's okay though. Yeah. Compared to what I was doing, right. do you still feel, or are you even, because I wasn't cognizant at all, you seem so much more enlightened and you're an old soul, you're a lot farther along than I was. Mm. Do you feel that way when you're partying now once a week? To be honest, man, it's, uh, I, I was actually planning on bringing this, I wanted to get your insight on this, because it's, for me personally, like, it's not even close to something that I'm ready to cut out because yeah. I'll tell you why. It's coming from a space where it, it truly is a creative unlock for me. Now, if I was an entrepreneur, uh, I am an entrepreneur, but I'm saying if I if I were working on a 
the more rigid schedule, you know, the more common schedule of hey, I'm up at nine. Yeah. Got this, this, this here. I was up at 7 a.m. on Barstool Sports on That's Eastern early. time. So guy. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was on large, large and Willie, man. It was awesome. Yeah. The breakfast. You, did you meet press while you were there? I have met him. I didn't meet him this trip, but yeah. He's a great dude. I've known those guys forever. I think I was still drunk when I was on their show. So the hangover didn't happen until 11. I hope you told those guys. That just, that <laughs> oh just yeah. They were loving those. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. Um, But, but, on, but like, genuinely it's a creative unlock because i write all my music i have no one writes for me you know i make everything myself so a huge facet of it is experience now if i were to wake up every day at eight and take all my meetings and emails and meditate and do everything perfectly right one i don't have shit to do like i i'm i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm in the studio like 10 to 12 hours a day yeah um but those experiences, like what I was talking about, like looking at things differently, productivity. I genuinely look at like, there's nights where I go out and some crazy shit happens, yeah. right? And literally four days later, there's a song. There's, or like, if you were to think back, like if you were to check back in a month, there's been piece, so many pieces of content that have been generated from those experiences. Can I go out with you one night? I'll take you through I like, was, I'll, I'll be your say, shaman. I I'll be you. your shaman. I need you. you need, I'll be you a party come. shaman. Maybe this will be a new executive business coaching for me. Party <laughs> shaman where I can your walk you through. Oh, no, no. We'll just do it one night. Just one night training, not excessive. Yeah. I can't do weekly trainings like I do. Yeah. But yeah, I could be a one night shaman for you. I'd love that. It has to include Jaeger because I think it has a, a total hallucinogenic behavior to it that allows it's like micro dosing alcohol you're talking to a micro i'm a, yeah, I'm a micro i only do it where it's legal now right um so i'll go to amsterdam or colorado or other places but i'm a huge Can't fan of expanding that's okay <laughs> i won't either i i've been there in the past but literally i got kids so i gotta make sure we follow the rules totally anyway Philly, set the standard I, I people ask me you know catalytically you know what are some of the most expansive things that changed my life mm -hmm. you, you know doing mushrooms in law school changed my life changed mine it changed my life and you know i i was in law school back then etc but i just have to tell you that i am all for people in control of, of certain things right? yeah. i'm not a big fan of opiates you're right I'd, I'd go with no aspirin before i take an opiate if i got hurt uh. you know but literally there's certain things i mean look at marijuana now where it's legal they told me for years it's bad Perspective. You're right. And I mean, I'm looking at the businesses of CBD and Mar like these guys came in today and there's like investment bankers in my office yeah, and, and they're listing through all the stuff that it does for you. And literally, you know why it was illegal, by the way, it's because of Hearst. People know that, right? Because he was the paper mogul right? and hemp would have killed the paper business for him. So right. he made it illegal. I, I saw and then all I his saw, rich friends, right? I saw right? out on that. Yeah. It really is crazy. It, it, it's the it's the prohibition uh, all over again yeah. for for marijuana, but it's just it's it's really the difference is there's actually a huge beneficial side where alcohol, you know, the prohibition of alcohol is just like this is a good time or you get fucked up, everyone, you know, right, like, right, makes right. Is that crazy? We love it, you know. But this is like there's actually tons of benefits. I mean, you're talking to somebody; it's really changed my life. A lot of people look at me from the outside, and you probably just taking a nutshell look at things. You're like, oh, this guy drinks and parties a lot. Not really. I mean, right. I party probably. I probably drink drink an alcoholic beverage t two out of seven days a week. Which, like, yeah. I'm not casually like, "Yo, give me a whiskey." At dinner. Right, right. Like, You're not drinking not every thing, day, you know. Yeah. But I'll smoke weed every day. Yeah. Not when I, I I've segmented it to as the sun comes down, the artist side of me kind of comes out, and that's where I start to. But I'll be in full blown meetings. Like I could be high here talking to you and having maybe even a maybe even seeing it. 
I, I look at it like this. There's it, another, this kind of continues on the point of what you asked about partying. Genuinely, I, th I think it's case by case. Everyone has their own set of uh, abilities, their skill sets, yeah. and, and it translates to this. And their own biochemistry, right? Like exactly. for me, marijuana knocks me out. Exactly. And I, I, I'm not in the flow. Exactly. Right? I like things to pick me up, so I'll drink tequila and Jaeger because yeah. it's upper. Yeah. And I used to do other things that would raise my blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But literally, here's an interesting thing what nobody gets about me is in some respects, I I am a rapper because if anyone's watched I could tell you me channel, vibe. they channel me on a stage or like that call I did with Sprint Business, mm -hmm. I, I was in the flow. Exactly. Like I, I literally was channeling. I have no idea what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And although nothing was rhyming or had a great beat to it, there yeah. was a, a flow to it and a rhythm to it. Right. And the ideas were just going. And in fact, one of my guys, my COO is watching me because we're having a conversation and I'm half listening. And then they ask a question and I just started flow. Mm -hmm. I download, I call it downloading. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm That's channeling, exactly I'm channeling like. everything. Yeah. And he looks at me like, and she was super duper impressed with me. I ended up getting a speaking gig from it. And I literally could not repeat a word that I said. Mm -hmm. Thank God they have recording now for you. Right. Because I guarantee you're downloading, flowing, I'm, you're channeling shit. And if it wasn't recorded, you could never repeat it again. If you, if I, I think we have to do, I'll, I'll, I'm going to make some content to show my creative process because it's, it's been life changing. I got connected with an artist, Post Malone, a big artist. Yeah, yeah, no um, problem. And he's gonna be a big part of our going forward. But we kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't even credit him or the producer or me for for the process itself, but I call it the portal. Like, I don't, I'm not even there. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm I love I, that. everything I do, everything. So, so the, the we, stud portal, can I call you the stud portal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We put the music <laughs> on, we put, you know, the music's on, and I, and I, I don't really write any lyrics down at all. I freestyle everything. Yeah. So that's why I was talking about experience is so important. What, am, what is my subconscious, what's in my subconscious, what have I fed it for it to come out like this and be cool? You know what I mean? I have to have those experiences. I know we're going over and they're gonna kill me, but I gotta ask this question, sorry. Yeah. So I, I get your subconscious. You know that I talk about unconscious competency. Yeah. Right, yeah, no, personality, I, I, genetics, I, et cetera. I'm a fan, man. So do you, um, do you feel that ever that like this was just born in you yes. like even yeah yes totally i could see that totally yeah and and i'm also in the business i'm i'm really like you know i had a hardship like a relationship hardship over i'd say about a year ago where it really pushed me down like i, I kind of like was able to take a step back and be like all right who who am i you know like a lot of this really like the baseball thing i wasn't thinking as i was a baseball player i was very much in a bubble in that bubble the music thing immediately happened, um, accidentally. Right. So I didn't well, even have time to coincident is a mathematical equation, right? Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I totally believe that. But what I'm saying is there was no right. There was no intention. For no, me. of course not. You weren't dreaming of it. So I wasn't able to die. I didn't. I didn't really ever step back and be like digest and like I was just rocking and rolling. Which city's next? Which tour? Which you know what I mean? Yeah. And and then I've, I got right into the relationship, a very like public relationship with a high profile girl. So. What I'm saying is after that relationship, like it was really, it was humbling. It that was, was like, Jose's it was, daughter, wasn't it? Yeah, Jose's, yeah. 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 And it was, it was great, there was nothing, it right. was just more so my first time going through that. And I, I kind of felt like, I was like, who, all right, what's important to me now? Like I gotta get my feet, 
on the ground exactly. Like I didn't hadn't really had time to digest, you know? Yeah, can you know, if you, can you right now, like how long does it take you to connect? Like if I asked you, you know, give me a, a playbook rhyme real quick to end up the show. Is that something you can connect and do? Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you? For can, sure, right can we now? end there? Yeah. Want me, want me to give you playbook? Yeah, give me some of the playbook, Dave Meltzer, something. Dave Meltzer. Maybe it might be used again, just to warn you, I might use this beyond this show. Okay, if it's cool. really good, you might be my commercial. All right. We got Mike Studd here with Entrepreneurs the Playbook talking about Dave Meltzer. We just had one of the best interviews. It's one of the longest ones that I've done. I like the TV is going to hate me, but that's all right. We'll edit it. I like it. All right. So last night I was white girl drunk off seltzer. Now I'm sitting here talking life with Dave Meltzer. Straight out of the playbook, got the whole game shook. Either way, I'm on a wave. I'm going to invite Dave to the ranch and catch a wave. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> I need you. The ranch is our house where you're going to come party. Yes, I am. The and, shaman. But I need party shaman's coming. Next time you're in LA, I'm, I'm going to, what's uh, your assistant's name? Uh, uh, Jake. Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to Jake. I was like, I need him over to play some beer pong. Like, yeah. Because that's what we do. We like, we'll play either I'm ping pong it. or beer pong. And then we'll we'll talk. We'll talk life again, too. 